0: Three dorks, forged by geek culture at a young age, eventually grew up and started families of their own. Forever young at heart, they now navigate geek culture with children in tow. Whether it's dirty diapers, packing school lunches, or finding balance for it all, they are more than dads or dorks. They are both. This is Dads Are Dorks Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Dads Are Dorks podcast, the podcast where you get dads and you get dorks. And guess what? It's it's us. We're both of those things. I am one of your hosts, Tyler MC, and I'm joined by.
2: Your lipstick, his collar. Don't bother, Angel. I know exactly what goes on. I'm Mason. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm joined by...
0: <laughs> how do how do I follow up on that? Yes, you can't. <laughs> I wasn't prepped for... I'm you Chris, can't. And I wasn't prepped for this intro. I don't know how you follow up on this. I, I'm just going to send it back to Tyler. Tyler, hey, just take it away. Tyler, hey, take it my, away.
2: My friend's over you,
1: okay?
0: <laughs>
2: I'm just going to start oh saying
1: email. God. I, I'm not ready for these references. I thought I was ready. <laughs> I, I took notes. i made I listened to albums I've listened to it in a long time. Anyway, uh, uh, that was Chris. Um, and we are uh, this is the emo episode. This is the episode <laughs> where we talk about uh, the emo genre of music that was popular in the early aughts. and uh, wow, it, it it has pretty much gone away. It, it's It's kind of dissolved into just regular alternative rock but, uh, I don't know I, I got fond memories of that time in music musical history, yeah um, it's yeah.
2: it's definitely still there. It's not forefront there like it was back like you mentioned in the early odds there, but it's it's around you know there's there's Fallout
1: boy putting out new records and dashboard they and put it out but, last week. We'll be talking yeah. about it a little bit later in the episode. uh, it was good, yeah, but um. Anyway guys, um let's just start off uh with the dad part of dads or dorks uh we what have your kids been up to Mason? let's go with you uh yeah, so not too
2: too much it, the weather's getting a lot nicer here, so we're do starting to do a lot more outside to the yard. I've been installing irrigation myself in my backyard, so I've been digging trenches i've I've got about uh fifty foot of it. Um, Doug but I need about another 50 foot to dig so <laughs> so yeah just been doing that and spent a lot of time outside with the kids and that's been good and fun and um you know nothing too big to report um with the with the kiddos since we last talked but uh yeah just uh really been enjoying some time outside and um me and my son have uh, went to uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movies, which the new Dungeons and Dragons movie that we will talk about, I'm sure, a little bit later. But yeah, I mean, oh. not, not, too much, not too, anything too crazy.
1: Yeah, we'll absolutely be talking about it. That was such a good movie. <laughs> but um, before we get to that, uh, Chris, what have, uh, what have you kids been up to?
0: You know, kind of like Mason, not really a whole lot. Um, I, I, like my oldest is in school. He's the only one in school, but like he got his report card and I'm, I'm pleased to say it's all M's and S's and yeah, it's, it's, there's understand. no, there's no A's and B's, I guess in first grade M is like mastered or something. And S is like <laughs> satisfactory. I don't know. Uh, you don't want anything lower okay. than an S, but he, good news is he doesn't have anything lower than an S. So I'm, I was proud of him. He got some, uh, Pokemon cards to open for it. Uh, and then he has his birthday actually coming up this weekend. He turns seven this weekend. Oh wow! So yeah, I know I'm starting to feel it now. Um, but yeah, so we have that going on, and then that's really been about it. Like Mason said, out here uh, down in good old South Carolina, um, yeah, you know, I'm in the I'm in the Upstate, so I'm not by the coast. But uh, it's it's been 75, 80 degrees lately, and uh, we've just been dealing with the remnants of all those storms that uh, destroy the Midwest on their way over here. And uh, so, you know, we get three days of 80 degrees and then one day of torrential rain and then back <laughs> mm-hmm. to three days of 80 degrees. And it's been the pattern now for a couple of weeks. So for six out of the seven days a week, we enjoy a nice weather outside and playing and just hanging out and waiting for summer. Yeah,
1: right on. And I also want to clarify that what that I let out wasn't like commentary on the state of our schools. It was legitimate confusion. I yeah. I simply don't know yeah, I was, what some no, of these I, things mean.
0: I. I, I, you know what, I, I can't say I didn't expect it because I did go through like an old time capsule that my mom had for me when mm-hmm. they moved out here, and I was going through it, and I looked at my report cards, and like first grade was the same kind of thing. It was like E's hmm. and and O's, and um, so I was like, oh okay, I just don't remember when the A's and B's start. I guess that doesn't start to like fourth grade or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, schools are I, weird. I remember the middle school I went to? They didn't give F's, they gave E's. As in, needs more effort. They don't want to say that the kid <laughs> failed. Oh, um,
0: my! But everyone knew it, it was the same as the other.
2: Like, well, I, I feel like these days they can't afford to fail kids, so they're like push them to summer school or that, but hmm. just keep it rolling because we have such a teacher shortage, and we won't get into the yeah. state well, of that's our schools whole, in this country. But, but uh, that's a whole yeah. other episode. And but for um, me, for me, we homeschool our kids. So my 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 son's in second grade, but we don't do grades or report cards or anything like that obviously we test him and stuff but it's nothing like we don't have anything like that so yeah i don't really understand that either that's why i was a little confused
1: (laughs) yep but uh yeah over here we have been taking charlotte to her first baby swim classes um and like she's having fun with it the pool's a little bit cold um and there are times where she starts like just like you know just chattering her jaw and i'm like okay we're not gonna do the activity i'm just gonna hold you for a little bit get some body warmth in you because they really should turn that pool up a little bit higher because all the babies are like cold but yeah oh man um is it an indoor pool it's an indoor pool yeah
2: oh, okay that's good yeah yeah
1: sounds the local university um and it's more i i feel like it's more work than charlotte has put into anything in her life so far um because yeah. it's a lot of like like you have to bring her up to like the wall of the pool and teach them how to like crawl out as like a safety thing. Like they need to be able to like lift themselves out of the pool and know how to do that. And then like also like jump back in. And, you know, this girl learned to walk like two months ago. So it's yeah. definitely a lot <laughs> of a lot of work for her. And she's like exhausted afterwards. But, uh, you know, it's I mean, as a family, we spend a lot of time in water. Um, yeah. you know with like vacations and like for fun and we're like it's an important thing for kids to know how to do is a swim so yeah, we're yeah. getting her in early just trying to have as much fun of it as we can and um yeah that's about it for kiddo so, updates
2: yeah so is it like a survival type swimming class because i've seen some of those we didn't do that young with our kids i wish we had but i've seen them where they like just toss them in the pool and they're like going underwater and like flipping and stuff and i'm like that would give me a heart attack as a parent like yeah (laughs) no that would but kids pick it up and they're like swimming around the pool and like floating on their back they teach them to like float on their back so when they're under and like flip over and stuff i'm like Mm -hmm. it's it's wild but yeah we didn't teach my son to swim until he was like four um, but mm-hmm. he caught on pretty pretty quickly and then this year my youngest he's really gonna my wife's really gonna work with him on it so
1: yeah it's not anything like that i mean like the like she'll have like a little floaty toy and i'll throw it and then i'll like hold her as she like reaches for it and that kind of teaches gotcha. them like you know like the movement and such and i think the most intense thing is like i've slowly lowered her down like so the water covers her mouth and tried to teach <laughs> her like blow bubbles yeah it's kind of like a way of like Teaching them to like, you know, exhale a little bit whenever they don't oh, suck water in, and right, um, yeah. I mean, it's going pretty good. We've had two classes, and she hasn't like cried so much. I had to remove her from the pool so far,
3: and that's that's, cool. that's
1: good. That's a that's a success at this age.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great to get them in early so they enjoy it, and uh, yeah. I wish we'd got started on my my oldest a little, but. I I was in the pool industry and the last thing I wanted to do when I came home was get oh in the swimming yeah. pool. It was like going back to the <laughs> office for me and my wife used to get so mad at me. But now that I've been at a desk job for a few years, she's – I I like enjoy taking them to the pool and stuff. And my, my parents have an in ground pool. And and so, uh, but yeah, my youngest is definitely, he's not swimming on his own, but we put him in them with the floaties and he's a, he's a big drink guy. So if I have like sweet tea or something, I'll usually like, Hey, come get the drink. And he swims across the pool with his floaties. (laughs) 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 But
3: yeah, I'm a big drink
0: guy too. I would, you would get me in the pool that way too.
3: <laughs> I got a beer, too, Chris. A big Get in the pool. Yep. <laughs> it
0: doesn't have to be beer. Sweet tea, you had me at sweet tea. Kool Aid, <laughs> a go. Capri Sun. I'm all for it. Let's go.
1: <laughs> Heck yeah! I oh, know a good pool beer. That sounds good right now. Oh, dude, it's. Just like lounging in a pool with a beer. That's like most of my yep. summer. I'll be honest, because I take
2: care of my parents' pool. And I'm just like, I'm like, every day, I'm like, let's go, kids. Jump in the pool. Let's go. (laughs) Give mommy a break. Let's go swimming. It wears them out. So they're like epically tired. And Mm -hmm. we come home and they're just like passed out, ready to go to bed. So
1: yep, it's a win-win.
0: Yeah. Good ideas.
1: So what we should be doing next is talking about what kind of media we've been consuming. But I just want to skip to the good stuff dungeons and dragons honor among thieves has been released and i finally saw it and i absolutely adored it but uh mason i know you saw it with your son and i'm mm-hmm. really really curious kind of what your two reactions were as people who were like you know like i know you've dipped your toes into D, but you might not be as familiar with like the world so kind of what were what were some of your thoughts
2: yeah no i mean overall it was just For me, like you said, I don't really know a whole lot of the lore, and I know I was talking to our friend Zach more about it the other night when we were playing Fortnite, and he was telling me some of the lore-type stuff, and I was like, ah, yeah, I didn't even see that. But as far as the movie, it was really good. I mean, it was a well-put-together story. It was interesting. It was fun. And, uh, you know, all the acting was great, which I loved. And I love... Michelle Rodriguez was just a badass in that movie, which was she was cool. and Chris Pine was it. He was his normal Chris Pine character, but he's just a really good actor in general. So um, I thought that, the you know, certain parts of the story, it, it's only a two hour movie and they did a lot. So it, they kind of had to move and like they took out a lot of the travel and cause they went to all different parts and stuff. But uh, overall it was fun. And my, my son, he got a little bored midway through just cause he's like, he, he doesn't hundred percent get it. Uh, and it was one of those that I was kind of teetering on the edge with bringing him or not, but I really wanted to see it. But it's one of those dad guilt things. I can't just go by myself on a Saturday and right. the kids when they're, when mom's with them the whole week anyway. So I was like, you want to see this? And he was like, yeah, I'll go. And so we went and, but, uh, he got through it and you know, I'm not going to spoil anything, but that end, uh, the end fight scene was both of our favorite part. Yeah, I just thought Mm -hmm. it just felt so D&D to me when like they're all doing their thing and you know, it was just so cool. So all the special effects were really good. Hugh Grant was in the movie, which I love Hugh Grant and he was just great in this movie. (laughs) So (laughs) overall, I I, you know, I give it a solid eight out of 10. You know, it's one of the better movies I've seen recently for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I, it was so cool watching it as somebody who is like as obsessed with D as I am, because they they do some things, like especially with the magic, where they will go through all these motions and show different effects. And I'm still able to look and I'm be like, oh, that's a finger of death spell, even if they don't say it out loud. Uh so they do like a really good job of saying true to like the source material. And I loved their dedication to practical effects. And uh, like, if you look up my Twitter, I've been retweeting. Uh, the directors have been posting uh, some testing they've done of like the like animatronic suits that they've done for some of the fantasy creatures, like Eric, uh, Aarak- uh, Eric who are like the bird people, and uh, you know Jarnathan um, and the various Dragonborn who were shown throughout the movie. And it was just such a cool thing for me to see, like. All these things that like I really care about and it like cherish these moments with my friends and kind of seeing some of those moments reflected back on the big screen. Um, yeah, it was it was a really really rewarding movie at least for me to watch, uh, and I hope they make a whole bunch more because yeah. it's such it's such a good formula that they have already set out. Yeah. where they could bring the cast back. Or they could bring entirely new people, Mac, because that's also kind of how D&D works. Like you could just have an entirely new crew of people and that cast kind of live off and do their own thing, live their own life. And I think, they just, yeah.
2: I think that's what I appreciated about the ending. They didn't like, and I don't, you know, this is not really a spoiler, but they didn't like hardcore set it up for a sequel, but yep. they didn't also close it off either. Like I could definitely see another two or three movies with different adventures, but, uh, or like you said, a completely different cast and completely reboot the thing. But I think, I think this cast and everything did so well that it definitely really did sequel with them. Like it was, everybody was just really solid in the movie and I didn't feel (laughs) that Bradley Cooper's cameo in the movie was literally the funniest thing. I loved it. my, My wife, it, um, she she loves him as an actor. So I came home and told her about that, and she was just cracking up. It was it, that was so funny. But uh, but uh, yeah, it well, uh, it was fun.
0: Just to add some stuff. So I haven't seen the movie, hence so I'm not really taking part in the conversation too much. I'm gonna throw a couple things out there. Number one, as someone who doesn't know much of anything going into it, I will say, I kind of feel like maybe Hasbro slash E1 slash Who's this? Is, this, is this a Paramount movie? Um, I think so.
2: Yeah, Paramount. Yep.
0: Wonder how much they're going. Dang it, Jumanji. You know, the whole idea of. Uh, people having avatars. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I have
1: I have up until this movie said Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle is the most D&D movie I'd ever seen in my life. You could see that. Um, right? And something uh, I got this, I guess my minor spoilers this movie doesn't touch on breaking the fourth wall at all.
3: Yeah.
1: It never pans out to like a bunch of nerds in the basement playing this game. They say true to it being a fictional world. And at first I was like, it seemed like a missed opportunity, but the more I think about it the more they're trying to set up a franchise, yeah. if they want more movies, they want this to be
0: a fictional world akin to Westeros or, um, and it, I think it's an important to note too that the the whole reason Jumanji worked as good as it did is because it was a comedy. Yep. And D and D as a comedy would be a disservice to what Dungeons and Dragons is.
1: I don't know, way, man. This is this is pretty close to a comedy. It's really funny. This yeah, is was really, really funny. a funny movie.
2: I was laughing the entire time. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I meant more along the lines of almost like self. Deprecating, deprecating humor, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was which never is self-deprecating kind of, humor. Which what I feel Jumanji, mm-hmm. the newer Jumanji, obviously not the original with Robin Williams, but the newer ones with The Rock and uh mm-hmm. um yeah, you know, all those characters and so forth. And then just real quick, just to throw out some numbers. Um, so opening day weekend, uh this thing brought in uh thirty-eight and a half million dollars domestically. Another roughly about 34 million dollars internationally, so sitting at roughly about 70 ish uh, million dollars worldwide on opening the weekend. It does have a budget of 150 million dollars to make, yeah. So it does mm-hmm. have some, uh, it's got some needs to grow some legs. However, not that uh, I ever consider review websites such as Rotten Tomatoes to be a benchmark of what um, to expect. Uh, I do think it's important to note when you have a average review score and an average audience score that are both almost relatively exact especially when they're positive. So Dungeons and Dragons right now on Rotten Tomatoes has a 91% certified fresh reviewer score and a 94% audience score meaning reviewers and audience alike are enjoying this movie which means you may see Dungeons and Dragons potentially with a nice bump yeah. next week or at least not as much of usually get like a 60% drop off from week 1 to week 2. The only thing that's going to hurt this I movie am. Is a small Italian plumber looking for his brother in a special made-up video game kingdom, which also premieres next week. So, um, actually, it premieres uh, tomorrow, two days from now, from when we're That's right. Yeah,
1: it comes up very soon, Uh, April fifth. There, there was a post I saw online somewhere. I wish I could credit it. That was saying, "Oh yeah, no, the D and D movie is going to make a lot more money in a few weeks." Uh, Gamers just need time to sync up their schedule and find a weekend that actually works for the whole party. Um, That's sadly true. It's sad and it's true. Uh, And I got to say, they put a lot of money into marketing and they're killing it It yeah, like this was my popcorn bucket. This is a big old red dragon head, and I just that's probably awful on audio. And I just ate popcorn out of his head and had a lovely time. Nice. I almost went to the mega theater just so I
2: could get that because I saw you post that online. I was like, I want to do that, but I don't want to drive
1: an hour and a half to see this movie. So yeah, it was uh, me and my buddy and his uh, teenage son uh, drove out. Technically we crossed state lines into Kentucky, but it was only like a 20 minute drive uh, just because this theater was playing it early. Uh, So they were playing it on Thursday and also that popcorn bucket. We were both like, yo, Let's get that. that. And (laughs) that can sort all of our dice. Um, Yeah. yeah. But I would definitely, I mean, 9 out of 10 for me. I loved it. Um, If I I want to be a jerk, I could definitely nitpick, like, the rules of D&D that they ignore. But also, I ignore a lot of rules whenever it's cool. So that's fine. And I'd recommend it for anyone, really. Um, Well, I guess not anyone. Probably 10 and up.
2: Yeah, it was Unlike, a, like I said, it was a little too, uh, too old for my my son. He enjoyed it and he enjoyed a lot of the parts, but he didn't get a lot of the humor. And then mm-hmm. some like the uh, the undead part that was a little like f- disturbing to him. He was like, I don't yep. know about this. He's like, this is funny, but also like kind of scary. So <laughs> that they was did a little a, bit.
1: Yeah, I will say they also did a good job of keeping blood and gore out of it. Yeah. Yeah, like that's there's sword understood. fighting, but I can't remember a moment when there was like a lot of blood showing up mm-hmm. on screen. And something that really surprised me is just how much it was like a dad story. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Really you know, the, yeah.
1: being a dad is a, such a big central focus of this movie. And that was a really pleasant surprise.
2: Yeah. No, it was, that was really cool. And that came across too um, to my son. He thought that mm-hmm. was. It was a family story, and it was cool. And there's a big decision yeah. at the end that's made, and it's like you know, kind of coming of age for him, and you know, and everything too. So it was really a, really a tearjerker there at the end. So it was yeah, a lot of Michelle Rodriguez is just in every family movie.
1: <laughs> so it's just Michelle Rodriguez rules in this movie. She was so
2: good, just she was so, so
1: good, good. is yeah. like the center of action and comedy and heart, like yeah. just. Yeah, loved her in this, but uh, this is not another D and D episode. Although I'm sure we'll have more of those in the future. This is uh, an emo episode, and by emo, I mean it doesn't actually have to be emo. Uh, I just think like, it's <laughs> funny to say emo a lot. Uh, I just kind of want to talk about what kind of music we liked uh, growing up, kind of what spoke to us at different ages, and um, how that has evolved into our musical taste today. Um, does anyone kind of like? Thought about a bit more where your musical tastes were like as a kid, Chris, let's go with you.
0: you rocking those weird sunglasses, and that's nice. you said emo, so I was trying to dress the part uh, granted uh, granted, I'm wearing a my my usual red shirt. Uh, didn't slick the hair down or nothing for the episode, <laughs> so I, I do apologize, but I did get the glasses um I'm trying to remember you gotta remember me being a kid is a lot longer than you guys, um, Yeah, that's as far, far as described. difference um, you know. I grew up in the '80s, so essentially, what that's what I grew up with was '80s music. Whatever was popular on the radio uh, is what my parents had on the radio, and I mean, I could belt out Michael Bolton songs for you. Brian Adams was a staple in the car with my mom. Um, New Kids on the Block, you know, that was that was hip. That was the In before In Sync. So those were all popular in the '80s. I didn't personally seek out music until I was probably. Um, right on the verge of like preteen into teen um and i wanted to find the music identity and and for me the first band it's important to know i don't listen to them anymore i don't know why but at the time um i really enjoyed it was uh megadeth believe it or not Ooh. we're talking like 1993 1994 megadeth like euthanasia um countdown to destruction um or Extinction. Sorry. Sorry. Power Rangers. Countdown to Extinction. <laughs> um, same thing. <laughs> um, so
1: those if were a and, Megadeth soundtrack and Countdown to Destruction. That would be sick, but that, that was cool amazing. On.
0: Someone needs to do that as a music video. Anyways, uh, and a lot of that was influenced by my sister. My sister was into Guns and Roses, Def Leppard, Metallica, Megadeth. I actually stole her cassette tapes because we had cassette tapes when I was a kid. I had cassette tapes. Uh, I know, but they were on the way out by the time uh, you had them briefly. I had them for. Her. Yeah. Okay. I, had I them only have them for like, Harry Potter audiobooks. You caught me. I had them until I was like almost 18. <laughs> so <laughs> like my new car, when I got a new car in 2000, still had a tape deck as its main primary source of music. So, but anyways, that's precisely the point. But that was, that was it growing up for me as far as where my music identity kind of started and where it went to. Well, I was always rock, always, always rock. And it was more, I don't want to say metal. Yeah, I think of metal, you think Slayer, you think, you know, for me anyways, that's when I hear metal, As I think. It was more, I got into, especially in the, because you have to remember, I'm a teenager in the late 90s, right? So new metal really exploded big um, towards that end of that century, I guess, but also the end of that decade. You had a big, big push on uh, rap was really huge in the early 90s, right? I think, uh, and this is just my opinion, I think Coolio's Gangsta Paradise was probably the most um, Mm -hmm. listened to, most celebrated rap song. And keep in mind, I went to school with like 99% white
3: kids,
0: (laughs) but everyone knew every single lyric to that, uh, to that song. So my route
1: to that song was Weird Al first. And then the Coolio <laughs> song. I heard Amish Paradise before Gangster's Paradise. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'll but get see, into it later, but Weird Al definitely helped open a couple of doors uh, when I was and, a kid. And yeah.
0: that's the thing, too, is that my favorite movie growing up as a kid was the animated Transformers, the movie. And that soundtrack is a heavy metal soundtrack. You know, you have uh, mm-hmm. Lion perform the theme song, Stan Bush obviously isn't metal. Um, but still, you had, um, I, <clears throat> and forgive me, I don't remember the names because again, I, I don't actively go listen to that anymore. But, uh, that was, you know, that music, I got it on a, a cassette tape. I was like, yeah, like I was the most excited kid in the world when I got that. But <clears throat> that molded me into being a rocker, so to speak. And so, new metal kind of hit, you know, your limb biscuit, your corn, uh, your deftones, um, uh, you had Seven Dust, which is my all-time favorite band. Is Seven Dust? Just in case anyone knows, uh, they they kind of hit the scene and got popular around ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. Um, Papa
2: Roach, Papa Roach, yeah, was Papa, Roach
0: was with Roach. With, uh, Papa Roach with Last Resort, was so good. So, is still good? Is those... he still doing stuff? Oh, they're. Are you know. kidding me? Are you kidding me? They're to- they touring. With like Eve Six a couple of years ago or something. <laughs> they are. <laughs> So, obviously, spoiler alert, I still listen to rock, right? That's my my number one uh, choice to listen to. I don't... Oh, my gosh. I listen to Sirius XM, Channel 37, Octane, uh, New Hard Rock. So, yeah, no, Papa Roach is still around, and they're still making actually really, really good music that's not 1999-sounding music, so you'll have to listen to some of it sometime. But... Yeah. So, anyways, that transitions or whatever, and so new metal, as you know, kind of went away, and all kind of branched out into alternative, into almost even sometimes progressive rock, into hard rock, alternative rock, what have you. Um, and so now it's just um, my taste would be finding something that has that's hard rock. I like hard rock, but I like it with melody. I don't like screaming. I don't like you know <laughs> you know Slipknot it has some great songs, but. Only a few great songs, in my opinion, because I don't like that. Yeah. You know, um, mm. it's got to have melody at the course. The chorus has to have melody. It's got to be something that I can, you know, that builds up. And then you're just kind of like, you know, you're, you can bang your head to it. Not like headbang, but, you know, just white dye head nodding, you know? Just...
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is a good music.
0: Uh, yeah, this is good. I like this. Something I can roll down my window too when I'm driving, just kind of head nod and <laughs> look over at people with my sunglasses on. So uh so yeah i mean that's those are my phases and i know it's really boring now granted that's what i choose to listen to you know my wife is huge right now into um bts and dance music and stuff like that uh she's always been into that so i've i've grown accustomed to that listening to a lot of that um bts i should get
1: into bts because like i'll look on like what's trending on twitter every now and again And it's like, oh, this person from BTS had oatmeal this morning and that's all everyone's talking about. And I'm like, okay, I guess they're a big deal. You
0: can make an argument while there are some bands in the history of the world that changed music like the Beatles. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, You could argue Nirvana ushered in a whole different age of rock and roll. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's ever been a group or a musician as popular Worldwide as BTS is.
2: Yeah, I don't Mm -hmm. think so either.
0: In my opinion, I'm not saying that doesn't take away Madonna. That doesn't take away uh, Elton John. Obviously, those are iconic. Will go down forever. But as far as overall popularity from a strictly number standpoint, I could dare Mm -hmm. say BTS's popularity starts with a B in billion, as opposed to millions. Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah. And I think, and but I think too. Like I think for what Elton John and Madonna did without social media. Yes, is the most incredible. That's thing. a big part, and nobody mm-hmm. could ever make that feat, you know. So, I well, don't no know if BTS would be that huge in
0: 1999. No one's reading no, BTS songs right now either, right. but you know, Elton mm-hmm. John and Madonna and stuff like that. Those are uh, some of those, in so- the Beatles, I mean, some of those songs right. are absolute Michael Jackson classic songs mm-hmm. and that shaped generations yeah. and are and still, never going
1: away either, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like, those songs are pretty much always going to be somewhat relevant. Like whenever people are talking about the history of music.
0: Yes. Michael Jackson, I that my first memory in my entire life, I'm not even kidding. My earliest memory is dancing to Thriller in a house that I only lived in for two years. But I remember dancing in the living room to Thriller. Nice.
2: Yeah, one of the first baselines I learned was uh, Billie Jean after I, like, started learning more technical stuff. That's a good one. That is a good one. That was our good party. I did uh... Seven Nation
1: Army. was my first (laughs) baseline. Yeah. I was like, I I have to learn this one. Only in Dreams by Weezer. (laughs) That
0: was (laughs) my first. But that that is my musical history as far yes. as likes and dislikes. So I know it's not as exciting, like no drastic genre changes or, yeah. you know, I was, I was a this until I heard this one song by this one band. And suddenly I'm all into this now. Nah, man, as you got a, you got a solid drum beat and you got yourself a good melody, uh, some guitars and some bass. You got, you got my attention.
1: I mean, Chris, we're not a podcast about the drama. We're not out here trying to be like, and here's how everything changed. It's, <laughs> we're just some dudes. We're just the some Bachelor dads sharing the stuff we like.
0: Ago. Think of the extra listeners we could get if we just manufactured some drama. Okay, look at uh-huh. look at wrestling. Look at The Bachelor. We all look at The Bachelor. Let's manufacture some drama. Get this I'm trying to think the
1: drama The Bachelor has manufactured, and I don't think any of that would be relevant for our show. At least I hope not. <laughs> yeah no i so yeah to kind of
2: bridge off you there uh chris i I grew up with a lot of like top 40 80s music because that's that was my mom my mom was in high school in the 80s and that was her jam so we listened to a lot of prince a lot of uh you know a a lot of michael jackson i forgot about prince
0: Prince i grew up in uh, minnesota and he lived in minnesota like in the same town as me my mom ran into prince at the supermarket and he like said hello to him and like His bodyguards almost tackled my mom. It was crazy. (laughs)
2: Yeah, no, he. uh, So, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of 80s music for me. But I think like my 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 uh, I grew up in Texas for a little bit. So there's some country involved. Achey Breaky Heart when I was like in diapers was like a big thing for me. (laughs) There's old
0: Mason.
1: I feel old now. Now he uh, uh, Billy Ray Billy Ray Cyrus. He was from our area. Okay. There were like bars nearby where people point out like, oh yeah, Billy Ray performed there before he got big. And yeah, that was a, uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And uh, I, I really like he did uh, with
2: Little Nas X, the old town road remix. That was good. That was, so that was really good. good. I, I still listen yeah. to that. So yeah, Billy Ray. Uh, but we, we didn't listen to a lot of his music. It was just like the hits and stuff. So, uh, but like some country mixed in there too. But I really started developing my own Around 1999, I would get up in the morning before school early so I could watch Zoid's The Chaotic Century because it played like really early in the morning. And then right after that, I had about 30 minutes or so before the bus came. So I would watch VH1 uh, countdowns. So I'd get like the last top 10 of the countdown of the hour or whatever. So I started developing a lot of, you know, pop, taste, top 40 type taste at that time, which was a lot of like Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys and all that but then I like 99 came around and it was, they, there was a lot of, um, you know, Kurt Cobain died earlier in the nineties. And so they were doing a lot of memory of him and all that. And so I got into Nirvana and that kind of took me into like an alternative take. And so I listened to a lot of Nirvana. Weezer was huge for me, like, and I'll talk about Weezer a little more, but like it was like in our area, we, we grew up with a lot of like musician kids so that we were all playing music and stuff. And it was like your inauguration, if you could play, say so ain't so or only in dreams or sweater song or something like that. So we played a lot of Weezer. Um, yeah. And then that kind of took me into more emo music, which, uh, I found, um, tell all your friends by taking back Sunday and then it was over. Mm-hmm. That was like my first album that I bought with my own money. And I was just like, listen to that you know end to end all the time and it was just it was so heartbreaking when um john nolan left the band and like we're like taking back sunday broke up what are they gonna do it's only been like a year and uh, you know of course as bands do they (laughs) they (laughs) go through times but yeah and then i was like taking back sunday brand new newfound glory all-time low Paramore, phantom planet dashboard you know all that kind of emo ish phase that i Still exist in that I've kind of come out of, you know, <laughs> in and out of over the years. So yeah, if that's any, kind of anything
1: like me. You just kind of dip your toe back in that pool every now and again, just oh, yeah. like, oh yeah, these were jams,
0: and then yeah. just kind of fall you back. And Mason have talked about my random rabbit hole of paramour. Yeah, like there was a month where I'm like, I'm going to listen to every Paramore song ever created and find out every single detail about this band I can discover. I know way more about Paramore than I ever (laughs) intended to know. I mean, the story of Paramore is a wild journey. It 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 really is.
1: Kind of uh, made they're almost I don't want to call them a manufactured band because they're like talent is real. But they tried selling like that story a little bit too hard of Haley Williams and the brothers. And meanwhile, they were kind of put together by like the label am i getting this right chris you're more of an expert than Uh, i am but they were friends
0: the reason yeah they were they were were all like friends in the same school i think for the most part um but yeah the record label it was it was i mean they might as well they may well as well called the band uh the Haley williams band right yeah feature you know because that's what all the money was around and that's who got all the money and all the decisions were based around Haley williams and so um that didn't stick well with um the brothers, the guitarist um, was kind of the lead brother. The drummer kind of uh, was kind of like a hanger on or I guess, with it, with his other brother. Uh, mm-hmm. And so they, they eventually left when, uh,
2: yeah, I
0: think it was after they did uh the Twilight song decode.
2: Yeah. It yeah. That's uh, all right. All we know is falling. I think that was their last album together
0: or no, something like that. that. And the then the first one, yeah. but then even brand the people ice, that re- the people that replaced them were still people. They were friends with in school that were, at the school that were actually usually on tour with them helping do songs and cover So it's not like they had to get whole new people they don't know. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and that's what they kind of do. So you have Haley and I, I forget all the band members' names, but she had the the original drummers back, one of the brothers, and then yeah. oh cool. There's a guitarist, guitarist too is and that's there. that's mm-hmm. the main three. Yeah. And then they have um they rotate in bassists and stuff like that. But then they bring all these extra people in for their tours. So their band on tour is like eight or nine people.
2: I know they'll never do it, but I really would want the five of them to do a tour together again. Um, That'd be sick. The, the brothers, Haley, the bassist, and then the guy who was their touring musician eventually became their guitarist. I mean, those... And now, Haley's those years... love interest. <laughs> oh, really? Is he? Oh, nice. Yeah. She was uh, She was married to the guy from Newfound Glory for a long time.
1: And
0: he cheated on her.
2: He cheated on her, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, but... <laughs> I saw them twice in that era. I saw them in the Misery Uh, business era and then I saw them when brand new eyes came out and that was their last tour they all did together. And Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm so glad the drummers back that I, I don't really love their new stuff. I, after brand new eyes, I kind of just fell off, but, um, yeah, that, I mean some of their arrangements and stuff were just, is just some of the best like
0: her, her voice, So she she ended up getting nodules on her voice on her um yeah vocal cords, so she lost the ability to belt it out like she used to, Um, so she has to kind of bring it back in a little bit. So, and they're they're like people's tastes in music. Their style of music has changed. So they were kind of that emo rock group, and then now they are more. I would call them almost like folk rock at this point and pop maybe, folk. Not, yeah. maybe yeah, maybe not, yeah. not yeah. even folk. rock i think that sounds yeah. about right yeah i don't like the twangy i
2: don't i don't like hmm. yeah i don't i
0: don't like a vocal progression that's like uh uh-huh, uh uh-huh. yeah, i don't like that either that's not my my jam but you know i will always salute a band that wants to evolve and the best description i can give to that and maybe we can talk about that later or some other time uh, as far as bands that evolve would be something like lincoln park Yeah. Who, yep, yep. Their first two albums, huge. And then they, they evolved as a band and started branching out, trying different styles of music. And the last album of Lincoln Park compared to the first album of Lincoln Park, it's like two entirely different bands.
1: Yeah. Lincoln Park's got like eras, you know, like. Yes. Yeah. So, Tyler,
2: what's your, what's, what was your kind of cutting your teeth with music? When did you kind of start getting into it?
1: Well, my parents weren't musical people but my aunt who lived with us when i was like a very young baby was extremely musical extremely into like alt rock and like a little bit of metal uh, underground punk kind of stuff and as the story goes she would play these songs for me as a baby when i was like when she would watch me when i was very very young and i would um lick the speakers Cause they were just like vibrating her, And apparently I thought that was funny. <laughs> and some of those, Now we know,
2: now we know, now we know. <laughs> now that explains me.
1: Um, and some of those songs, uh, apparently got very deep into my head, especially Tom Waits. Tom Waits is someone who I guess was played for me a lot as a baby. Cause I listened to some of his older work and I'm like, Oh, why do I know this voice so well? This distinct gravelly Tom Waits voice just resonates with me for some reason. So I think it starts there. And she would, even still like through high school and stuff, she would burn me all these really weird CDs of uh, really unique musicians. Um, and uh, my uncle, the man she married, uh, Carl Hendricks, uh, was in his own band, would tour around Pittsburgh. Uh, and they owned a record store and a lot of like my musical taste can really be traced back uh, to my Aunt Meg and Uncle Carl. Um, but as a kid, really, it was Weird Al at first because Weird Al rules. He still rules yes. to this day. Yes, I does. still love listening to Weird Al. Um, and if you haven't seen his uh, documentary, uh, Weird the Owl Story, uh, it's great. I definitely recommend it. Um, But I remember distinctly also, um, I think it was an eighth grade project where someone was supposed to write about like the music that they enjoy. And it was like uh, like an art project with like, you know, song lists and stuff. And someone listed um, all these Panic of the Disco songs. And early Panic of the Disco had mong song titles they had sentences
2: oh, yeah. i write sins not tragedies. you know <laughs> exactly
1: and so i'd read these and i'm like what is this band i think this is funny they're probably a funny band and i listen and i realize oh they're not a funny band per se but they're they're so hitting me in the sweet spot where they're telling stories yeah through their music where if you pay attention like you kind of see like a plot evolve through their songs and that was something that really grabbed me so then you know." Panic the Disco led to discovering Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy led to discovering the Fueled by Ramen label, which had Gym Class Heroes, Cobra Starship, Paramore. um, I'm trying to think who else was on that label. Head Automatica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I found all these bands, and I'm like, oh, these are all great. These are all exactly in my wheelhouse. Um, And I realized that a bunch of them were coming to Warp Tour. Hmm. Which, if you haven't been heard of Warp Tour, Warp Tour was this huge, huge tour. I would go around the country and have all these alt punk emo bands all mishmashed together in an outdoor venue, have multiple stages playing of music. And you can just wander around and find festival. new bands. And it was great. Yeah, I loved it. I loved going to Warp Tour. And they would have these compilation CDs where they, every band on the tour that year would have one song put into it. And my local library had a collection of these CDs, for, like the years of Warp Tour was going on. So, yeah, those would kind of be my testers. I'd listen to that and be like, all right, I like this band. I like that band. And then I had a whole new group of bands to listen to. And I went hard into like the punk emo alternative scene for a while there. Um, I'd get the alternative press magazine to learn more. I'd watch uh, uh, it was a show called The Sauce, which was just music news about exactly this genre of bands um i remember i had a guidance counselor who said you know like tyler i've been talking with you for a long time about different things you might be interested in career-wise but you haven't perked up as so much since you started talking about music he said that was when you lit up have you considered doing some kind of career in music and i was like not really like a little bit it i think a lot of that stems from kind of thinking about what would be the most profitable. I didn't have a talent for playing music or writing songs or anything. And I guess in college I did. I was um, part of our university program board. I was on the uh, concert committee where I would help book the bands that would come to the college. So I did get a taste of it at one point. But that was also about the time that I started kind of waning away from that genre of music. I think just the scene was kind of going in a different direction. Yeah and new albums would come out of bands that I loved that just weren't quite hitting me in the same place maybe because I wasn't a hormonal teenager anymore and I didn't like you know feel as intense as I used to um maybe I was maturing I don't know but after that um I mean my musical tastes have kind of gone from like very like hardcore like i liked screamo i liked it whenever like there was like a real guttural scream going on i still
2: listen to screamo
1: <laughs> i still listen to some screamo too um eventually i kind of found jazz i found jazz through um cowboy bebop the anime and that kind of opened up a new That's jazz cool. world for me for a while and that was like a very calming experience learning more about jazz and listening to that and that helped me study helped me get my engineering degree and now I don't really know if I have, like, a musical genre that is, like, my number one. I have a eclectic playlist of stuff that I've liked throughout the years that still kind of, like, hits in a good way that still sounds really good. It's got, you know, Foo Fighters in there. It's got some Fall Out Boy. It's got um, just a couple of weird songs I find here and there. But uh, music just hasn't been as big a part of my life lately as it was when i was a kid but i still hold very very fond memories of being you know this this like concert kid who'd go out and like you know charge headfirst into mosh pits and oh yeah uh, would Good know times. all about all these underground bands all the people I hadn't heard about and it was a it was a fun time when i was a kid
2: you and
0: were, um you were yeah. kind
2: of in pittsburgh where is that when you were in Pittsburgh yeah. during that yeah, time that was so when I was in Pittsburgh. were you did you know much about the Philadelphia music scene um Circus Survive no. okay oh I like
1: Circus Survive yeah and like yeah, Sound of I...
2: Animals Fighting they had like this mega band mm-hmm. that was called Sounds of An- Animals Fighting and they bridged off into a few different bands and stuff so I've seen Circa and Anthony Green and his solo acts and all that kind of stuff so many times and um they uh it in that sound of animals fighting mega band, there was two guys that branched off and started this folk band called good old war. And, um, no, that I haven't heard of, and if you're into folk music, it it's, it's really good stuff. And so I've seen them so many times and like, I have a story about them, about one of my <laughs> favorite concert experiences coming up. But, uh, yeah, so I kind of got into some more, like I call, like it's more like not math rock, but it's more just like out there, kind of like they might be giants
1: kind of thing or yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah.
2: you know that circa vibe and stuff like that so it's like rock but with also like a lot of like real technical type Mm -hmm. stuff and when we were playing music we would try to emulate that a lot more and and uh but uh yeah it was uh i as i got a little older i started listening to some more heavier stuff too like thrice and um yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i'm seeing thrice soon which is gonna be awesome but But uh keep my thrice only have like
0: one really heavy album.
2: Uh, yeah, their newer stuff is not heavy but like yeah. The Earth Will Shake, that's one of my favorite songs ever and it is it's a it's a banger for sure. So it's one of those it's one of those things. They they're so cool because they go in and out of a lot of different genres. And I, and I feel like a lot of bands have done that that we grew up with like Taking Back Sunday and Brand New and yeah. like some of this stuff, but like nobody's done it as good as Thrice in my opinion because they're so it's just so like such a good vibe every time I throw them on, whether it's deadbolt or you know artists in the ambulance or you know some of their new stuff, black honey and stuff like that, it's just always a good vibe so but yeah, more so, I've just like evolved over the years into different stuff, but uh it's really fun, and uh i I just love music in general. It's always been a staple in my life of whether it's playing music or listening or whatnot, so really trying so- to uh get my kids into a lot of music
0: too. it's important and i don't want to throw this out there because i feel like a whole generation missed out on, on something really really cool so i was part of the total request live generation on mtv oh, yeah oh boy yep i watched and, a lot of tRL yep and i remember so when i was younger there was a lot of loyalty to your genre of music if you were yes. a rock person, you sure. were a rock person and rap sucks. Hip hop sucks. You know, all that sucks. Who listens to that garbage? You know? <laughs> and then you and, grew
1: up and realized, oh, no, it's actually good, too. Yeah, you know? well, exactly. That's
0: and good. so I remember the days of Total Request Live. It was always, you know, Britney Spears, Sync, Backstreet Boys, like nonstop. And then Papa Roach got on and Limp Bizkit got on and Corn got on. You know, and then obviously Linkin Park got on. Um, yeah, but it's like suddenly it's like it wasn't all you know Backstreet Boys and sing it wasn't all pop stuff it wasn't all necessarily rap stuff like suddenly you had like actual like hard rock almost metal new metal getting on and that was such one such a huge huge benefit to that rock genre because it introduced the millions of teenagers that were watching TRL for the. The pop stuff or the hip hop stuff or the rap stuff, it introduced them to rock and vice versa. Like, because then you had metalheads tuning in because they're like, Yeah, that's that's I want to see all the prissy little girls dancing at you know the MTV studio in New York City. Let's let's see them try yeah. to dance to, to core and you know, freak on a leash. Um, <laughs> and they did, and they did, <laughs> they did, yeah. <laughs> and so that's what I like now is one yes you grow up and you realize man being loyal to a genre of music was such a disservice to yourself um yeah i don't i don't see that same type of at least from my perspective i guess i don't see that same type of loyalty to music that there was when i was a kid i see a lot of people just enjoying music and i will tell you what one of the hardest things for me to watch is teens react to and they're reacting to my favorite music when I was growing up. And they're all like, what's this? This sounds horrible. (laughs) Why is this person so angry? And I'm like, you know, you're just uh, uh, it's it's, it's painful to watch. It's so painful to watch. But at the same time, it's like it makes you appreciate the evolution that music as a whole has done. Yeah, I
1: mean, I think a big part of it, too, is kind of before like MTV and TRL, the evolution of music was something would get popular enough to get on the radio. It would get radio play. Everyone would be familiar with it. Yeah. And then that's that's the band. That's the singer. That's the thing. And with the advent of the Internet and MTV and uh, honestly, I think the iTunes store played a big part in it. You Napster, now had avenues
3: to Napster safely
1: explore he? Dexter. Yeah.
0: Napster. Napster.
1: Oh, Napster. Yes, yeah. Limewire. Yep. Lime lime I remember Limewire. I had, in. Yeah, I, I, I
0: Limewired huge. a few things back in the day. Oh, the yeah, statute of sure. limitations is passed on that. Um, but I think that. Um... <laughs> You're careful, Lars Alders from Metallica is staring at you from far away. Right <laughs> yeah. Someone's a Napster. But one of my um,
1: one of my favorite bands when I was like in high school was a band called Gogo Bodello and they were a Ukrainian folk punk band and they were they referred to themselves as gypsy punk it was this like real funky kind of like European wild energy and they had uh, like uh, accordions mixed in with electric That's guitars it. and uh, like the lead singer just had a bottle of wine with them on stage for every show and they'd sing about Like one of their most popular songs was American Weddings, just talking about, like, have you ever been to American Wedding? Where's vodka? Where's marinated herring? Uh, And it was so (laughs) weird and fun. And that's not something that would ever get on the radio. Yeah. You know, that's not something I would ever discover before the Internet. And I think even now, kids have kind of evolved even further where um, it's so easy to find your thing and then keep digging. And. They don't even need to go through the route of like a starter. This is my genre of music because they can just find what they like and
0: go with go yeah. in that direction. Yes, that accessibility to be like, hey, uh, I'm just going to go on YouTube. And I mean, most artists now will release their entire catalog on YouTube. Yeah, right yeah, right there. like, there is no more. I mean, I still remember the day that Deftones released their third album. Was it their third or second album? Might have been their second album. It was the one with the uh, uh, change into the House of Flies. Um, I remember standing in line and at Best Buy outside in the rain to get mm-hmm. my copy, and I got a free poster with it. Nice. And I met so many people that were like, "Yeah, cool, you know, I'm so glad to see other Deftones fans." That doesn't. No one's going to experience that today, unfortunately. You're not going to experience people yeah, standing yeah. in line to get a CD. Um, no
2: it's all on apple music or it's all on apple music spotify either. or
0: whatever yeah, you'll see people yeah. at concerts and, but that's it
1: and i don't know about you guys i get i get a little bit of spotify brain rot sometimes where i will listen to a spotify pre put together playlist and enjoy all the music but because i'm not curating it myself i don't retain what band it was or what the song title was or the yeah. album or anything like that it is now just ongoing stream of (laughs) yeah i want to listen to um uh late aughts emo music or i want to listen to 90s pop bands and i just don't retain as much anymore i'm not studying in a way like i used to when i would look at cds and yeah
2: Apple Music has an infinity mode. So you listen to an album and then Mm -hmm. after the album's over, they just keep playing songs like that album. So in preparation for this podcast, I listened to, um, dashboard record uh a mark emission a brand of scar listen to the whole album and then it just started playing that early aughts emo and stuff and it was just over and over and i'm like man there's some of this stuff i haven't heard of a lot of a lot of it i had and it was just like good nostalgia and stuff but yeah i i definitely feel you my (laughs) i don't like seek I, i like for bands that i like i'm like oh yeah i can't wait till this album comes out but like nothing has really grabbed me in a long time that I'm like, oh, I got to wait for midnight to see that. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's it's I remember getting albums and going to the record store and um, I don't know. Have you guys heard of a band called Say Anything?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I
2: love Say Anything. Yeah, I was really big into them and I have another good concert story about that as well. But uh, (laughs) I remember when the second in defense of the genre came out and it was this two disc thing, 30 songs and all these guests Haley Williams is on that album. All that's these one with the Pinocchio
1: vocalists. art on the front, right?
2: That was the first one. That was is that was the real first Boy. one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But their second, the, their follow up, because Is a Real Boy got real popular, and that's Is a Real Boy. Yes. Yeah, their follow up, and I remember when that album came out because I was like that kid at the record store at midnight. Mm. Like I ordered the signed copy from the band and stuff, and we just <laughs> you don't have that anymore, and that's sad to think about. But uh, but yeah, man, some good times, remember- good. I've seen say anything like eight or nine times that i love
1: saying anything kind of, yeah. i i learned all the words to admit it yeah that kind of spoken word song admit <laughs> it
2: despite,
3: despite
1: you- your pseudo bohemian <laughs> appeal and slightly leftist doctor in a belief so you know nothing about I'm art or, uh, nope, i gotta i gotta censor myself we're a family Keep. podcast um but gosh yeah uh I mean, I'll I'll skip to this a little bit. I know this is a little later in the notes, but I listened to the newest Fall Out Boy album the other day. Uh, It was for free on the Hoopla app. Can't speak highly enough about the Hoopla app. And I listened to it and I just thought this is good. This is nice. And uh, it it was a little sad because as a kid, I remember listening to like uh, from under the cork tree and just being like insanely like happy with like having found this kind of music and like how much it like kind of spoke to me. And I thought it was a good album. There were times where they kind of referenced the pandemic in a way that where they'd be like, you know, we thought 2019 was a snapshot of what life would be like and look at where we are now. And it's it's still kind of speaking to where we are right now. But I'm not as hyped for it as I yeah. used to be, it was a fine yeah. album, well put together. Music was good. Uh, a lot of variety in the songs uh, and all the original members of the band are still playing together, which is rare.
2: Yeah.
3: I yeah. Say,
1: you know?
2: Yeah. And Pete Wentz, he owns Field by Ramen. He started that. So
1: that's yeah. His,
2: yeah. So he's he's very successful in bringing a lot of the new generation this type of music to which is really cool. And I think Definitely uh I haven't listened to the album, but I'll check it out. There's another album, recommend it. all time low. I'm a big all-time low fan. Like that's kind of my pop punk band that I was mm-hmm. really into for a long time and have kept up with them. They put out an album the same day as <laughs> <Fall> Out Boy. <laughs> so I I uh I picked that up or I uh, Apple musiced it and uh it's it's uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's Did it's a see- lot of the <laughs>
1: Did you see uh, all-time low trending on uh, TikTok a few months ago? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't. They uh, the 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 fine folks who make the TikToks uh, discovered that the Dear Maria song could work for any anime opening. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so they did take anime openings and replace the song with Dear Maria, and it worked every time. Amazing. It was great. Yeah. You'd just see
0: Pokemon going, and it's like
1: Dear Maria, count me in. I want to say I saw
0: that trending on Twitter, but I saw it trending as "Dear Maria." Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Isn't it "Dear to... Maria"? I'm again. I got Spotify brain rot so bad.
1: I don't remember. I, I want to say because
0: I, well. I, I remember seeing that. I remember seeing a thread about. Oh yeah, you know this mm. song works for any anime opening,
1: and yeah, it does. It's it's a really fun wormhole to dig That's into someday. I have to I
2: have to look at that. But yeah, I'll
1: send you some links. Yeah, um, I've
2: seen them probably seven or eight times too. If it... That was kind of like I got in. I was into them and then my wife really got into them like when we got married. So that's kind of like Mm -hmm. our band we go and see. Nice. We both really enjoy. They put on a good show because it's like more than just them screaming or playing music on stage, It's like they put on an actual show. It's pretty funny to It's like almost like a comedy bit to see them. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, guys, what's uh, what's some of your best live concert experiences talking about seeing these bands in person? um i've got a lot so i'm gonna
2: touch some cliff notes on a few my first ever concert that i would i mean i've been to like some local shows and stuff but that was like real deal concert was weezer at the tabernacle in atlanta and holy crap so like i said i we had a pretty um we weren't like popular or anything but we had a pretty big friend group that was into that type of music scene and we all played music and stuff. So when I went to this show, literally everywhere I turned around I knew somebody. And it was just so the cool. funnest yeah. thing. Cause it's just like a huge I mean probably a hundred literally 100 200 people that I knew at the show. Like the day everybody just ran to get nice. tickets because they they were touring on their um the one with perfect situation, uh Beverly Hills, that album. And it oh, was yeah. kind of like their comeback because they had taken some time off and it was just like the like funnest show i've been to and they uh the bravery opened for them and uh it was just i mean that was my first ever concert experience and i'm like i don't know if anything has really matched that 100 just because it was just like a like literally everywhere i knew i saw somebody and like i was 15 and my friend's dad took us and uh you know just like and i had a lot of older friends too like in there from 18 19, 20, you know and stuff so there's just a ton of people there and it was just such a good time so that was uh that was probably the one that stands out most that band good old war i was talking about i was going through a breakup and i saw them um uh probably 2012 or so and they were like taking requests i was like they had this song that's called i'm not for you and it's like this breakup song and all this and it's like this folk type thing and um they I, i was like no i'm not for you i yelled it and they're like "Ah, i don't know if we could play that one if it would make sense right now and then after the show we were doing shots with the band and i was like what is it going to take you to get huddle up, get your acoustic guitar and play this song for us. And they're like, <laughs> we'll do it right now. So they all, they're through, they're like a trio. And so yeah. we all grouped up a group of my friends that were there and they played this song we all sing. And it was like the coolest moment. Cause it was like, you know, this band I'd listened to forever. And I've been to a lot of their shows and we all were like sitting in this circle, singing this song together. That was like so big for me at that moment and stuff. So anyway, that's just a couple of mine, but
1: yeah. Yeah, one of uh, one of mine also involves uh, my dad taking me to a show because uh, I couldn't drive yet.
2: <laughs>
3: and
1: um, my dad, like I said earlier, not a particularly musical guy, but he was game to take me and my buddy to our first warp Tour. Again, we must That's have been awesome. 15 or so. And me and my buddy were like, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if we just ditched the old man? So we just ran when we got in and we went <laughs> off and did our own thing and had our own adventure um saw all these bands we really really loved i think paramore was there say anything was there um cobra starship was there we had a great time seeing all these bands into that warp towards (laughs) you yeah you might yeah and i i didn't see my dad again until we met him at the car and are you guys familiar with the band um flogging molly
3: Mm
2: -hmm. yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Irish punk band. Mm-hmm. Uh, well more it's a, folk. It's a staple at about every Irish bar on St. Patrick's Day. Yep, like, you know. It's like uh, Irish well, ska yeah. folk band. Yeah.
1: Fantastic band, one of my favorites. Um, and we got in the car and my dad was like, Here, I got your shirt, and threw a flogging molly shirt at me. I'm like, Oh, thanks, dad. And I pick it up and it is signed by every member of the band of Flogging oh, Molly. That is I was bad. like, so rewind, me and my friend ditch my dad. <laughs> What he, he does eats. is he wanders. He just wanders. Apparently, ends up backstage, looking lost. And the lead singer <laughs> of Walking Molly sees my dad and goes, "You don't look like you want to be here." And my dad's like, "I don't." He's like, "Do you want a beer?" My dad's like, "I do." So he becomes friends. He just hangs out with Walking Molly backstage, drinking beer as That's they sign shirts for everyone else. And that was his Warped Tour experience. And I'm like, "Dang." My dad had a much cooler time than I did. And but I got a t shirt out of it. That's so awesome. that's something. That's epic.
0: Um, okay. Youngsters. Let's see here. My first ever concert that I went to was one of those like little like music festivals put on by a radio station way back in the mm-hmm. day. So I'm pretty sure uh, I saw Coolio. Ooh. Yeah, I got. I'm. I That's got to see epic. Gangsta's Paradise. Aqua was there. Um, I, I'm struggling to remember. I keep on. This is like 1993, 1994, maybe. Mm, um, I was two. Yeah, it was a very long time ago. So, uh, can't remember everything else was there, but I can. The first like actual concert was just a couple bands I went to. Um, my best friend and I, she and I went. We were both uh, 16 in high school. Awesome. It was. Uh, Incubus opened for Sugar Ray in 311. Incubus is so good. So this has when Incubus was a nobody band. They hadn't nice. done Pardon Me. They hadn't done any of yeah. those songs yet. It was the album before that. I think they played Pardon Me at the show and everyone was like, oh, that's really cool. But it hadn't hit radio or anything like that. Uh, so that was fun. Um I have a, I have a tie for like for some of my favorite concerts because I've been to like I've been to concerts that were like System of a Down, Seven Dust, uh, Hoobastank, Alien Ant Farm. Ooh, Hoobastank, uh, yeah,
3: Huba, Huba
0: Stank Hoobastank, Hoobastank opened for Alien Ant Farm. Really? Huba, I remember then played, that tour. I remember that played tour. for <laughs> Seven Dust, and then System of the Down was the headliner.
1: I feel like Hoobastank had more staying power than Alien Ant Farm
0: yeah uh, that's just my they, opinion. they
2: had the uh michael jackson cover that was big for a minute
1: Huba. yeah that's what i mean though Is like alien ant farm i think yeah. of yeah. them and i think of a cover they did not like yeah. their own yeah. music exactly. so
0: yeah because uh like hooba Stink had more stink power because they were i want to say they were the roadies for incubus mm. and they carried incubus kind of like like Lincoln Park and other bands kind of took a turn with their music evolution, but Hoobastank just like kept that same sound that Incubus had in their first two albums that were so popular and kept that going. Um, anyways, but God, as far as like a, a concert that sticks out that I'll never forget, so and I have I have two. So high school, uh, my senior year, right before graduation, we went to go see. Uh, a perfect circle who opened for Nine Inch Nails, ooh, which was an incredible show. Um, that was a, when a perfect circle first came out. James Maynard, lead singer of Tool, was at that time the lead singer of a perfect circle as well. Um, just it was great. They were playing one of their song, one of their main songs or whatever, in the middle at the end of the song, like or not even at the end. It's like in the middle of the song, like the lights go off. And the lights come back on just a spotlight on James Maynard. He's, of course, he's a character, so he's got a wig on and everything. And he takes he takes the wig off and they finish uh, the perfect circle song, but instead of finishing that song, they played sober from Tool instead. And the crowd just went obviously went nuts. And then you know, That's Trent amazing. Reznor. Trent Reznor is a one-man band, yeah. so that was yeah. a crazy concert. But I, I I think my all-time most memorable concert is uh, my wife is a giant Lincoln Park fan. Um, maybe not so much now. Obviously, after the last like four or five years, but we went to the celebration of life concert for Chester after he passed. Mm-hmm. but Lincoln Park did. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we flew out to L.A., went to Hollywood Bowl, um, had great seats, um, and I got to witness that entire concert there mm-hmm. in hand. We have the we have all the like we all uh, for their one song, um, one more light or whatever. We all got. Like lights that they turned on remotely so you had a light that you'll so week. we kept cool. that kept our bracelets obviously um we all wrote messages they had boards you could write messages to the band or whatever so like just filled all the way up just so many awesome memories and of course all the different artists and musicians who came out and performed yeah. classic lincoln park songs um just absolutely incredible um Like I said, I've been to a lot of concerts, been to a lot of concerts and that, I mean, when they play numb and they just have a spotlight out and they don't have the lyrics going, they have no one singing the song numb from Lincoln Park. So the audience, yeah, they just had a spotlight uh, on a, on a microphone. They put roses around it, like a wreath with some roses and stuff, and they just played the song. And so the audience took it upon themselves to sing. So the audience sang the song. Uh, That's cool. That was powerful and moving and yeah like i said it was just crazy like i've been like i've been to rob zombie Avenged sevenfold corn deftones um I a lot of
2: i saw avenged on the hail of the king tour and oh my god that was such a good show i was right in i front saw of sinister gates the two like right
0: in front of me Tour right before that i saw them yeah because seven dust is on that tour with them so again, like there was two stages. So there was like a B stage cool. and A stage. So I went to see Seven Dust. My, my best friend at the time was a huge, um, you know, ace uh, of an X fan. So we all went together. Um, yeah, I'm just, I, I'm flashing back because I've been to so many different concerts. I know, it's... I'm doing the same thing. I, it's, uh, it's like...
2: So, you know, um, Jack Antonoff, he's in that band Bleachers. He's like Taylor Swift's right-hand man. He like writes all yeah, the yeah, music yeah, yeah. and records yeah, yeah. her. So he was in a band called Steel Train back in the day and there were small... Tr- small band and it was like this folk rockish band and uh we went me and my buddy west and we went and saw them and ended up doing shots with him after the show that night that was pretty cool and then i'm like i didn't know anything about that guy he was like in fun or whatever after that and then he started bleachers but and then i saw the taylor swift special where he's like sitting up there like they're doing the folklore album i'm like that's that guy we did shots with that night. (laughs) i
0: I have a story this will uh, will be i'll I'll stop telling stories after (laughs) this Do you guys know the group or the band One Republic? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The lead singer of that is Ryan Tedder.
3: hmm
0: Yeah. My roommate my sophomore year of college was the childhood best friend of Ryan Tedder. Oh, nice. Oh. And they were That's still cool. best friends. I don't know if they still are today, but when we were in college, they were still best friends. At that point, Ryan Tedder had gone on um, whatever. There's an MTV show. Um, and he got, he ended up working with Brian McKnight. Like Brian McKnight's like, you know, you have an amazing voice. I like right. you. You have a good style. Like even, I don't care if you win this competition, I'm taking you afterwards. Um, so Ryan got into the music business. He wrote songs for Britney Spears. He wrote mm-hmm. songs for uh, Justin Timberlake. He who, wrote some his... huge
2: hits before he started One
0: Republic. Yeah. Exactly. So I have a fun story where it was my junior year of college and my roommate Boyce, um we now lived across the hall from each other in apartments um but he's like yeah he's like ryan's coming down you gotta hey we gotta hang out with ryan we gotta hang out with ryan i was like all right cool we'll hang out with ryan <laughs> we hung out with ryan all right um <laughs> i was just i mean it's 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 one of those things where guys have no shame no shame at all about when you're that close with people right like when you're that close like brothers practically you know you you do crazy things. Um, <laughs> i have seen parts of ryan tedder that i would imagine many many people would wish to have seen <laughs> uh not creepy just because you know be like hey chris yeah check this out you know just fun crazy stuff of course you know he'll deny this uh, ever happened no one will ever tell him anything about it but yeah i, I i've
1: yeah, Good times it, you know, um, it, was, it was fun. During, wonder if it's allegedly drinking, to the start of this podcast, just for everything yes, we're about to say, allegedly, allegedly, alleged
0: allegedly, story. It alleged looked like Ryan Tedder. He sounded like Ryan Tedder. He wasn't one Republic Ryan Tedder at this time. One Republic did not exist at this time. This was still, you know, right music, Ryan Tedder. Oh, I got, I got, I could give us the, the cool. whole dirt on what was going on, really going on between Justin and Britney. I got that whole dirt way back in the day. <laughs> just so you know, because him, so and, Justin are, him and Justin, him and Justin are good friends. Yeah, yeah, he's written some
2: of his music and stuff. That's cool. That's that's yeah. super. Right. Rad well, that you got before
0: Daniels.
1: before we get sued for slander or libel, um, <laughs> I got a couple just... more
2: things before we move on. A couple yeah, more stories. Uh, one that that's really big. Another one is I'm a big fan of that band Thursday. Their first album, Full Collapse they did a 10 year tour on that. And I remember like me and my friends were there and they weren't like huge Thursday fans, but they were touring with under oath and they liked under oath and Thursday played first and they were playing the whole full collapse album. That's one of my favorite albums to this day. I still listen to it all the time and it has this intro to it. That's like a, it like has like a roll up to the first song, which is a banger understanding in a car crash. And I remember like standing there, like seeing the mosh pit about to break out behind me and they're playing the intro to that before they come out and just launch into the show. And I'm like looking at my friends, I'm like, guys, they're about to play understanding in the car crash. I'm so excited right now. And they're just like looking at me like, dude, are you okay? I'm like, no, And I around <laughs> and belt it for the mosh pit as soon as that song broke out. And it was like one of the best shows I've ever been to. And then, um, I don't know if you ever heard of the band, the hush sound. Yes, I have. I love the hush sound I -hmm. met. I I saw them one time and I met uh, Greta and she was very nice. Took a picture with her. Really cool. Um, that was
1: is it Wine Red?
2: Wine Red. They had uh, that that was the
1: big one for a while. But yeah,
2: yeah. They had this song called Medicine Man. They were another fueled by ramen band, but they had this song called Medicine Band. And I had met my wife back in 2009 and she we actually like kind of got to know her because we needed a singer for our band and could, she could sing well. And so we, she sang that song and then uh Paramore, that's what you get with us. And so we would play that as a band and it was super fun. And then I lost touch with my wife for like five years. I didn't talk to her. I mean, she wasn't my wife at this point, but I was a kid and I was like not ready to get married and I was into her and it was just not a good time, but at a hush sound concert, Five, six years after that, I'm standing there and another big group of friends there that I know, and it was a smaller show. And um, I'm standing there and I'm looking at this girl from the back and I'm like, man, who is that? I need to like see who that is. And turns around and it's my wife, like my now wife. She turned, and so we reconnected. The woman who would become your Sound. wife. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we so we reconnected at a Hush Sound concert and it was like this moment that it was like, I like all those feelings rush back to me from when I was, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta get to know this girl. I gotta get her number again. And like <laughs> gravel because I pretty much ghosted her. She was a lot <laughs> older than me <laughs> and had some more experience. And I was a kid and I just kind of like ghosted the whole situation. But, uh, as soon as I saw her, it was just all back. And then we were married yeah. to like less than two years later. <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome. So, that's awesome. Concert. Thanks. Yeah. With my wife. So it was a good, it, that was, um, uh, yeah. That was one of those. And then I saw, um, saw dashboard confessional. They did their Swiss or Chris Caraba. He did his Swiss army romance, um, tenure, and he just played all these songs acoustically. I went, that was, uh, one of the first shows I'd been to by myself and it was just such a fun acoustic show and everybody's singing along and stuff. So a couple honorable mentions, but probably the one that stands out most is the one where I
1: reconnected with my wife. It was pretty cool.
3: So yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: Anyway, we could could talk talk, (laughs) talk concerts literally all day. Um, But to kind of wrap it up before we get to the game, what would what's one band that you would recommend to someone who maybe they haven't heard of it before, someone who's not super mainstream, maybe hasn't made it on the radio. Uh, For me, Streetlight Manifesto is 100% a recommendation. They have a real deep uh, uh, range of albums. They are a ska punk band and it's it's always upbeat and energetic, but they're also singing about like very real like issues and they have just they put on such an amazing live show. Like I remember standing a three-lane manifesto show and I was touching like 12 people at once because we're all just like so crowded together, you know, like ah, those are such good times. Um, But that would be. If I had to pick kind of from my like list of like favorite bands, I'd be the number one that I'd recommend that might be a little different from something that the listeners have heard before. Nice. Mason, uh, what about you? Um, So to
2: recommend a band that's not super mainstream, uh, this is more of like newer emo. <laughs> so like bringing it back, but also newer stuff. I really like this band called State Champs. Um, they're really pop punky emo but they put out a new out they they've been around for a bit but it's it's not it was like new to this era when electronic dance music was huge and Mm -hmm. uh they uh they went on tour with like five seconds of summer and got and like right when they got big and stuff but uh um yeah so i would recommend them if you're looking for some like emo pop punk like something you haven't heard of uh they have some they they write really good choruses and uh very very um very catchy stuff. So
1: yeah. I'm going to look them up uh, right after this uh, podcast
0: records. Uh, Chris, what about you? Um, Mason knows the band I'm about to mention because uh, we talked about it. I think last time we're on the show, but if you're looking for, again, is the more hard rock quasi metal person on the, on the group, so to speak. Um, if you haven't heard them lately, or if you haven't heard them at all, I would recommend looking up Atreyu. You, Oh, yeah. Um they have uh the band has gone over some changes. They've changed from their lead singer left and so the the guy that was like the backup singer is now the lead singer but he's always had a a better melodic voice anyways. But they've changed like how they write songs. Everything they write right now is essentially radio hits. Yeah. For for the rock genre, hard rock genre. So um their their latest song is called Watch Me Burn. It is a banger. It is so, so catchy. The chorus is so great. Music video is hilarious in my opinion. Um, just it's something worth checking out, and if you like it, you know, slowly start your way going back because some other stuff from twenty years ago is a little bit more, you know. Ugh. Yeah, that that's, the yeah. So, that's the stuff I remember.
1: That's the Atreyu I remember, right side uh, of the from bed, like two thousand three. Like, X's yeah. like so, they have, uh, yeah,
2: they have a song called "Warrior" that came out in twenty twenty one. Yes, Travis Barker uh, played drums on. And yes. it is like, if you want something to get you pumped to like work out or do like some work around the house or something, throw that on because it is so good, funny story about them. I saw them one time and the drummer has like, they, when they set up, they have, he has three bass drums. And mm-hmm. so I was like, dude, we, we saw him after the show. Cause it was small venue and they're usually yeah. hanging on after I'm like, how in the world do you play three bass drums? It's like. Let me show you. <laughs> so he, comes, no. he brings me up on stage around to his bass, and the middle drum is just like he's got like beer and like snacks in the middle drum and stuff. <laughs> it's like literally nothing. <laughs> and then he's like doing some rolls on the drums and stuff. It's a super cool guy. Awesome band. <laughs> I think that's, that's true, right? The, the
1: stealth yeah, tree, lesson yeah. of this episode is uh, talk to musicians. They're pretty cool. Like, yeah. don't be weird about it uh yeah, don't, don't like it, idolize them or stalk them or anything right. but like if you're chill and just like wanna talk about music with musicians like it's a good time yeah. like yeah. i uh i i was
2: um when i went to see the hush sound i we were really into playing at that time and there's a band called the cab that opened for them yes i know the, the cab yep, i know the and cab the, mm-hmm. the guitar player he uh he we saw him after after the show. And he was just a touring musician with them. He didn't actually, wasn't really a part of the band, but, uh, he, uh, we talked to him and I'm like, how do you get that guitar tone? And he gave us his recommendation. It's called a, the pedal's called the Sasquatch and it is literally the cleanest sounding best pedal I've ever heard in my life. And so my buddy, he was our guitar player at the time he bought it and it was just, they're just awesome. He was just so cool. He was just like, yeah, let me give you the, all this stuff. It's called this and all that. And it was really cool really awesome
0: musicians yeah. respect other musicians and like yeah. to share their secrets as far as how do you get the best mm. sounding, this yeah. best sounding that. So or even just cool. music aficionados. Like if you want to talk shop, like everyone yeah. loves
1: talking about their passion, Yeah. you know, that's Absolutely. advice for every day. But yep. uh, so let's get into our game. And yes. I'm, I'm particularly excited about this one. Uh, <laughs> this game is called panic at the bachelor mansion. Oh God! <laughs> I'm gonna so early already. emo music, uh, especially Fall Out Boy and Panic the Disco, are well known for having long song titles that are almost sentences. And so I've collected a lot of those song titles, and I've mixed them with quotes from the Bachelor franchise of TV shows. <laughs>
2: This one was built <laughs> for me to win, <laughs> and I'm probably gonna lose.
1: So, so I, no, I, I'm I'm gonna believe hmm. So okay. I'm going to read out a sentence, and it is your job to tell me if it is an emo band or The Bachelor. Do we get bonus points if we know the album and band? Yes. All right. And you also get bonus points if you know which contestant or which
0: season of The Bachelor right. the quotes from. You probably no bonus won't. points from me. No bonus points from me right now. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> Just subtract so to start ten points it off, off my total right now,
1: honey. This mirror isn't big enough for the two of us.
3: Emo band, yeah, that's that's an emo
1: band for sure. Uh, yep, that one is "My Chemical Romance" from the album "I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love." Next one, you can't microwave a relationship. Bachelor. Yeah, bachelor. <laughs> yep. Okay. First ones are a couple oh, pretty easy. Gets I'm pretty
2: sure that was Ben Higgins season. Uh, that
1: was uh, Tasha's dad on Colton uh, season. Yeah, that was yeah. him uh, basically yep. just saying how much he disliked the fact that his daughter was on this show.
0: Oh yeah. Bonus <laughs> uh, points great. for you, Mason. I know. No, he he
1: didn't get it right. Stay in your lane. Stay yep. in your
2: lane. That was Colton
1: season. I'm <laughs> that was Colton season. <laughs> yeah. Deep intellectual things are just my jam.
3: Bachelor. I'm going to go emo band.
1: That is the Bachelor. Crap. That was from Ben's season. <laughs>
2: yeah, there we go.
1: Happy endings or stories that haven't ended yet. Emo band. Emo band. Yep. That was uh, from Mayday Parade in their album Mayday Parade. On tour this summer with All Time Low, and I'm trying to go to that. Are show. they really? That's going to be a good <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah. They're coming <laughs> to crap. Oklahoma City. I want to go so bad. That sounds really good. <laughs> Be not so much like Hitler. Be more like Mussolini. Evil Band. Bachelor. That was the Bachelor. That was uh, Canadian. That. Daniel said that's a Chad in JoJo season. Yeah, yeah that guy was such a. Oh, like,
2: he was. I could have made a whole a list spectacle. off of like Chad quotes. <laughs>
1: Ch- he's Chad he's such quotes. a he's such a jerk. This yeah. is um, two nothing. Champagne for my real friends. Real pain. Band, for my band. Friends. Panic is the disco.
2: No fallout boy. Mm. Fall up boy. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yep. up boy. <laughs> I'll give that one to Chris too because he didn't even have a chance to answer, and I'm Sorry. he'd be. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying I got a point. All right. I'll give you a point. I've got billboards up in all their minds. We're paving highways.
3: I'm just gonna let Chris answer first shoot I'm uh
0: let's go ahead and say uh the bachelor emo band
1: that is the bachelor that really? was said by Ooh.
0: yeah that was said by jordan the model uh Uh-oh. during
1: becca season and the men's yeah, can all see that guy saying that stuff he got I'm banned up. from the show because he
2: punched
0: a guy yeah one point <laughs> behind mason though
1: Maybe. there's a good reason these tables are numbered honey you just haven't thought of it yet emo band
2: yeah, I, I'm going to say bachelor because that sounds like something. They would...
1: That was an emo band. That's Panic of the Disco from the album A fever. You can't sweat out. God,
2: I love that album too.
1: Getting
0: close, getting close.
2: We're tied, right? Is it, what is it? Uh, yeah, you I think you have... guys
1: are tied right now. I've got a bunch of these. I can keep going. But uh, all okay. right. I How still want you to be happy. And for that, I've always been sorry. Bachelor,
2: <laughs> bachelor.
1: Yeah, that was Bachelor. <laughs> uh, that was uh, the Bachelor, Nick veal saying uh, to his ex, Andy.
2: He's the worst.
1: <laughs> I've got 10 friends and a crowbar that says, You ain't gonna do Jack. Emo Band. Emo Band. Emo Band. That was Under Oath from the album, yeah. They're Only Chasing Safety. I, that's the album I saw. Yeah, the anniversary album I went to. <laughs> I've got all this ringing in my ears and none on my fingers. I'm going to say feel emo like, band. It
3: a trick question. I feels like a
1: trick question. I'm saying emo band. I'm going to say the bachelor emo band. That yeah. is fallout boy from infinity on high. And also the song that inspired this game. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How do we move forward? And we meaning you two. Is that a song
0: or are you asking us a legit question bachelor? That is the quote. Oh, that is the quote. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's keep it interesting. I'll see emo band.
1: That is bachelor. That was Chris Harrison. Who had said that one? All right, Mason, we are tied again. Chris Harrison. <laughs> Lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off. Emo band.
2: Emo band. Yeah.
1: Yep. That's panic. Just uh, go out. Damn it. Yep. 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 I was going to say you got it right. Why would you say damn it? No, I was going to say for the
3: bonus, trying to get the bonus. Panic oh, disco. I gotcha,
1: I gotcha. It's not a fashion statement. It's a death wish. Emo band. Emo band. Yeah. Yep. That Follow
3: is My Chemical Romance. My chem- Three
1: cheers yeah. for sweet revenge. Yeah. I hope you remember my name this time. <laughs> Bachelor. Emo band. Bachelor. That was the Craft. latest season. Yeah. Bailey said <laughs> that to Zach. Yeah, that's right. Because he called her
2: Balin on stage. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pretty soon. I don't know what, but something is going to happen. Bachelor. Emo Band. Emo Band, that is Norma Jean, bless the martyr and kiss the child.
2: I don't listen to them, but I saw them one time and it was scary.
1: <laughs> OK, we got final four here. Right. If it's a pomegranate, then God bless it. Uh,
2: Bachelor. Uh... Ben's season. Her name was Ashley, I believe.
1: Her name was Ashley, but it was Chris's season.
2: Chris's, okay, yeah.
1: And I, I'm still going to give you a bonus point because it was Ashley. So, <laughs> <All right. laughs> um, is it awkward if I ask you for a better kiss? Emo band, Bachelor, Bachelor. That's that's over at this point. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. We'll just keep going. Let's remeet the people we've already met a hundred times. Emo band. Band. uh nope that was david spade uh announcing the beginning oh. of bachelor in paradise
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i constantly thank god for esteban
2: emo band i believe that was uh i want to say i know this song um it's either fallout boy or panic <laughs>
3: Bachelor, <laughs> it
1: is Panic of the Disco from a fever yeah. he can't sweat out. All righty, Mason, uh, crushed it. Yep. <laughs> yes, Mason absolutely, and at, at the end of he it, he pulled it missed out. Missed three, Jeez. like he absolutely. I'm not even going to total it up, but yeah, Mason is the winner of uh, Panic at the Bachelor Mansion. <laughs> good job, Mason. Good job, good job, Mason. These are like, I, I figure this one would hit you kind of right in the wheelhouse. Get. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely practiced this game uh, with my wife last night um, as she is also uh, at an emo phase of bands and watched The Bachelor with me. And you know what? You know what? I'm not even embarrassed right now. I'm 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 here for it. No, you shouldn't be. You should be very <laughs> proud. This is cool. Um, I found that like she knew like like you did some of the songs she like zeroed in I'm like no I know yeah. that song but the bachelor quotes are the one she's like ah that could be an emo band that, that was, I just don't know about those
2: were really good quotes you pulled how did you find those like what was a thing that you searched to find out
1: um I think my google search history was um ridiculous bachelor quotes ridiculous okay. the bachelorette quotes um I looked up videos of like uh cringiest moments from bachelor in paradise like hmm. and then I also searched like songs with like the longest titles and i picked all the emo ones out of it
2: <laughs> that's amazing Love and it. and
1: i made it, it it was a bit of a longer game than usual i I took uh 10 from each because i was just having a lot of fun being like oh this stupid <laughs> thing this bachelor <laughs> this reckoned and that. said could absolutely sound like an emo <laughs> song let's go with it
2: that's great awesome well i have thoroughly enjoyed this episode so
0: thank yeah,
1: you yeah it's Tyler. been a lot of fun as have i i love uh talking about stuff with you guys and this is like our first real in-depth talk about music so I've yeah. had I've had something
0: blast something we didn't for the most part already know about each other yeah, yeah. for real yeah as far music as
1: I... has
2: shaped my entire life in some way or another so like it's been a big thing and I sorry about all the stories but I I just love talking about concert experiences and things I still love going to concerts and stuff so Going to see Thrice at actually a, a, a venue called Emo's in Austin. In, in May. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that. So, Very Oh, nice. my gosh. They're doing absolutely um, rules. They're doing 10 years of the, or 20 years. I feel old now. 20 years of the artist in the ambulance. So they're playing that right. record and then a few songs after that. So
1: That's gonna be awesome. End. So if you'd like to follow us for not too much more emo content, but uh, lots and lots of dorky content, and lots and lots of uh, dad content. You can find us on Twitter and TikTok at Dads or Dorks. Um, you can visit our website uh, dadsardorks.com. And Mason, hit us with that email address. It is uh, at dad or Dorks at gmail.com. <laughs> there we go. Um, so yeah, once again, we'd like to thank our wives, Absolutely. the wonderful woman who put up with us and uh help make the show possible uh, i'd like to us. thank eric berry uh for uh our design de- he designed our logo and also for being a good friend uh thank you to all of our listeners and any new listeners that maybe have been like oh i remember emo music let's check out these dorky dads uh where appreciate- my wife is somewhere my wife is listening
2: to this episode shaking her head and laughing and feeling very uncomfortable about our music <laughs> for the
3: amount of bachelor <laughs> quotes i understood
1: <laughs> Well, let her know how much we appreciate her. Um, and uh, to close this out, uh, Chris,
0: I think you got a dad joke. I have a dad joke. I'm going to do two. Do it. Because I feel the first one, everyone's going to go, ooh. So then I'll end the second one <laughs> with one that everyone goes, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Okay. But I, I found two, and I was like, oh, my God. I laughed out loud. All right. So just keep in mind, they're jokes. All right. My
3: wife said to me, if you won the lottery, would you still love me? I
0: said, of course, I would. I'd miss you, but I'd still love you. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that first part of that could
2: have been the title of an emo song. <laughs> it also could have been. Yep.
1: Yep. It's a, you can't uh, stop the game once it's hard, can you? <laughs> and
0: then <laughs> the one that we're going to end the night on, or at least the episode on it's nighttime for us in case you didn't know. But my friend worked at the zoo circumcising elephants. The pay was bad, but the tips were huge. Oh, no.
1: Thank you for listening to the Dads Are Dorks podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dads or Dorks and be sure to subscribe on your podcatcher of choice for more dorky content.